0: Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, Our Living Hope. I want to direct you to a passage of Scripture. It is written by the Apostle Peter. It's found in his first epistle, beginning at chapter 1 and verse 3. He writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorruptible, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this though now for a short time you have had to be distressed by various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love him, though you have not seen him, and though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's reading from 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9, from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and his relationship to our living hope. Notice what Peter said. He said, we are born again, To a living hope. Through Christ's resurrection. Born again. That expression means that we have. Been given spiritual life. Before this we were dead. We were not alive. Toward God. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. But God raised us. From the dead. He did so by the power of the Holy Spirit using the Word of God, the message of our salvation concerning who Jesus Christ is and what He has done on behalf of sinners. Christ borns us again. The Father borns us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of our regeneration. And this life is given to us from above. It's not something that we can create. It's not something that we, we get from some other source. It comes directly from God. And we're born again to a living hope. Now, the word hope here is very important, but we have to understand the difference between the word hope as it's used in the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, and the way we ordinarily use the word hope. For instance, when we speak about hope, most of the time we're speaking about something that we are desiring will happen. We may have something that we planned. And so we're hoping, that is, we are expecting that it, it may come to pass. We're, we're, we're confident maybe that this is going to happen. But it hasn't happened yet. It may fail. So The way we use hope primarily has to do with our wishes, our desires, our maybes, our plans, but our maybe plans. So, I hope to see you next week, for instance, or I hope to come by Friday, okay? But when the Bible uses the word hope, it means much more than that. Hope here is a confident expectation of receiving what has been promised by God is an assurance of the future resurrection and the completion of the process of sanctification and our glorification in the resurrection from the dead in immortal bodies for a fullness of life on the new earth with Christ and all of the redeemed. I want to read to you from uh, a book by R.L. Spruill, under the word hope. He says the following. When the Bible speaks of hope, however, it has something different in view. Biblical hope is a firm conviction that the future promises of God will be fulfilled. Hope is not mere wish projection, but an assurance of what will come to pass. This hope, Hebrews 6, 19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. So hope is faith directed toward the future, end of quote from R.C. Sproul. Now, let's consider this passage of scripture that I read in the light of some other passages of scripture that speak about our hope. Because you see, we run across the words the hope of eternal life. For instance, in Titus 1-2 that is is read, this is one of Paul's uh, statements, in hope of eternal life. So that means that when he speaks of hope here, it is not yet come to pass because it's looking to the future. But we have a hope, we hope for eternal life. It's found in Titus chapter 3. He writes, This Spirit he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. And yet, on the other hand, the scriptures tell us that we already have eternal life. That we already have salvation. But notice that's in first Peter one, in the passage that I read, after expressing the hope that is reserved for us, an inheritance is reserved for us in heaven, he writes in verse nine, Rejoice you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So here, Peter's saying, we are even now receiving the salvation of our souls. But we can go back even further. If we turn in the Bibles to John chapter 5, verse 24, and John 10, 28, these are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Then we can get a better picture of the eternal life that we have now and the eternal life that is coming in the future. So it's the same eternal life. Eternal life begins now with those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. He himself in his person and his work results in eternal life. When we believe in him, we then are saved. We are brought into eternal life. This is what Jesus said, John five twenty four. I assure you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but is passed from death to life. You see, when we look toward the future and the end of what we call the age, the end of the age or the end of the world, there is judgment coming and there is salvation coming. Now, those who do not yet believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are already under judgment. They're already under condemnation. But when the end comes, that judgment and that condemnation will be made evident and plain to all. And it will be based on the fact of their works And the fact that they did not have faith in the one who can deliver us from the judgment to come. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, the reason he can deliver us from the judgment to come is because he endured the judgment on the cross on behalf of those whom the Father has given him. And those are all the ones who will come to faith in him. So those who come to faith in him, Jesus says, has eternal life. They have it now. And will not come under the judgment because the judgment is already passed for them. It was executed on Jesus Christ. That means it was executed on us in him because of our union with Jesus Christ through a faith life union affected by the Holy Spirit's work of regeneration and effectual calling and birthing us into the kingdom of God. In John 10, 28, Jesus Christ says something even more emphatic concerning this. In chapter 10, he states, uh, I have to turn here. In verse 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish never, they will ever, never, never perish because the eternal life has been won for them by the Lord Jesus Christ and he gives it to those who are his sheep, those who are his followers. Now the Bible then holds out the future. We have a future hope, but that hope is a confident expectation of receiving that which has been promised by the God of who cannot lie, and who always tells the truth. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope. It's like a sure and firm anchor of the soul. And then it talks about the imagery of the old tabernacle in which there was the holy place and the holy of holies, The Holy of Holies is behind the veil, and that's where God's mercy was. That's where the law was, and that's where the blood was applied on the behalf of those who came with their sacrificial offerings in faith to him. So, the anchor of the soul, like a sure and firm anchor of the soul that has entered the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Well, who is that? It's not a what, but it's who. Jesus has entered there into the Holy of Holies as our forerunner. Now, he was the firstborn of the dead. So he was raised from the dead on the third day and an immortal body, no longer subject to death, in a glorified body. And in that body, he ascended into heaven. And in that body, he resides in the holy place, the holy of holies, where God dwells in eternity. And we're not talking about a building, we're talking about the dwelling place of the all holy, almighty God. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as our forerunner, as our mediator. Because we are in union with him, Christ himself is our hope. And the hope that will come to pass is our resurrection in the last day. Why? Because we're already identified with him, and we're already there with him. Listen to Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3. Now, these are some rich texts of scripture that should really get us rejoicing and so confident of the future as the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells us that when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall appear with him. That is, we are going to also appear with him in glory. Here's the words from the uh, Holman Christian Standard, Colossians 3. So, if you have been raised with the Messiah, if you've been raised with Christ, seek what is above, where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is on the earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. When the Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. And in 1 John chapter 3, that statement is also declared to us by the writer John in his epistle. Again, I read 1 John chapter 3. Dear friends, we're God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So what is our hope? What is this living hope? Well, this living hope is twofold. The living hope is Christ who is our mediator, and our forerunner who is in heaven. But we are united with him even there in his ascended life before the Father. So our hope then consists of his return to earth. And when he returns to earth, we will be resurrected from the dead. We receive our immortal bodies. We will then be saved vitally, not just our souls and spirits, which are already saved now through faith in Christ and which shall never die according to Christ's own words, but now with our soul and body will be the completeness of our humanity in our resurrected and immortal human- humanity that will be given to us in the last day. So our living hope is a hope about the future and it's a assured future. It's as sure as a death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's as sure as sure as the very person of God Himself, God who is the truth and who cannot lie. Now Romans eight, twenty-four and twenty-five says this about that hope that is to come. These are some glorious words written by the apostle Paul uh, to the Christians at Rome and also to us. Now, now, in this hope, we were saved. Notice that. We were saved. Passage. Yet hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? So, the reason the word hope is used now is because we don't yet see the fullness, the completeness of all of our salvation body, soul, mind, and spirit. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. And we eagerly wait for it because we know that it is surely coming. In fact, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit himself within us that grants us that assurance. Not only that, Paul wrote, writes, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the firstfruits, we also groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. This is the great and glorious living hope that we have as Christians. It is granted to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice how this hope functions in our lives as believers. Because Peter writes in his words, we have this salvation of our souls now, and we rejoice with inexpressible an and glorious joy. But between now, the time of our faith, the time of our being born again, the time of our receiving the assurance of our salvation, the time of the presence of the Holy Spirit come to live within us, between that time and the ultimate return of our Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead, we are sojourners in this earth. We will be subject to various trials. That's what the scripture says we will be subject to various trials and we will go under distresses. Why? Well, Peter tells us, so that the genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our trials come to reveal to us our genuineness of our faith. And the next thing Though we've not seen him yet, yet we believe in him and rejoice with an expressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your salvation, the salvation of your souls even now. And we will result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ that's at his return. So the future expectation we have is that we will be resurrected from the dead and that we will enjoy the fullness of eternal life in our spirit, soul, and body that has been totally redeemed and now glorified to live forever on a new earth with our Lord Jesus Christ himself in all of the redeemed. What a living hope we have. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. Until next time, remember Christ is our hope. Christ is our life. Christ is our Savior.